Hello, everyone, and welcome to the April 12th edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. Recent California class and collective lawsuits are starting to reveal a particular trend of litigation where employees are claiming unreimbursed work-related expenses. For instance, an action filed in the Superior Court of Merced alleges that Foster Farms failed to provide and reimburse employees for the cost of personal protective equipment. The employees allege they were forced to purchase masks, gloves, and hand sanitizer without any reimbursement. Then, in a recent 2021 lawsuit, another class action filed in Orange County alleges that any one home incorporated failed to provide its employees reimbursement for home internet, home telephone, personal cell phone, personal computer, utility costs, office furniture, and insurance. In both of these cases, the employees allege that they were required to purchase necessary business items, but not reimbursed for these purchases. Both cases are at their infancy, and no court has made a ruling on the merits of the allegations raised in either case. California Labor Code Section 2802 requires employers to reimburse their employees for expenses that are necessarily incurred in direct consequence of their job duties or in complying with an employer's directions. Unnecessary or unreasonably exorbitant expenses need not be reimbursed. Traditionally, most remote workers' expenses have not been reimbursable because most employers' telecommuting and remote work programs were voluntary and not required. However, in today's COVID-19 regulated environment, Remote work has become mandatory for many industries, therefore potentially triggering certain employers' reimbursement obligations. The issue of whether certain expenses were necessarily incurred by an employee is subject to court scrutiny and various employer defenses. Regrettably, the California Labor Commissioner's Office has failed to issue COVID-specific expense reimbursement guidance to aid employers in navigating this new, vast, remote work environment. HealthNet Federal Services has paid more than $97 million to resolve duplicate and inflated claims submitted to the Department of Veterans Affairs. HealthNet entered a $5 billion contract with the Veterans Administration in 2013. Under the Patient-Centered Community Care Program, a new program which offered private health care to veterans when VA facilities could not timely do so. Under uh, this contract, HealthNet served as the third-party administrator that secured private health care for veterans, reimbursed these providers for services to veterans, and in turn billed the VA for the services. In 2017, the VA Office of Inspector General audited HealthNet and found evidence suggesting the company had billed the VA for duplicative claims amounting to about $30 million and failed to reduce billings to the VA for approximately $1 million in provider rate savings as contractually required. The ensuing investigation confirmed the conduct 
and HealthNet ultimately repaid nearly $94 million in overpayments, as well as $3.5 million in interest. This settlement is a result of work by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of California and the Civil Division's Commercial Litigation Branch. And now our crime report. Daniel Corey Clapp was a CHP officer at the Chester area substation of the Susanville office when he was injured on the job. He claimed injuries to his shoulder, head, and knees. Based on a tip, the Workers' Compensation Fraud Unit of the CHP began investigating Officer Clapp. The unit conducted surveillance, including on travel, doctor's visits, shopping, and camping, which included boating, swimming, and chopping wood. CHP investigators then showed the surveillance videos to Clapp's doctors. The doctor agreed that if she had been aware of the defendant's activity shown on the video, she would have released him to return to work. She also agreed that Clapp's complaints had been a gross misrepresentation. Clapp pleaded no contest to concealing the true extent of his physical activities and abilities from his employer and the state compensation insurance fund. The trial court granted him three years probation and as a condition of probation ordered him to pay restitution. He was ordered to pay about $3,000 to the state fund for temporary disability benefits and nearly $82,000 to the CHP for benefits wrongfully obtained from them. He was also ordered to pay investigative costs to the state fund and the CHP of about $72,000. Clapp then appealed the restitution award as to investigation costs, contending that as public investigative agencies, neither the state fund nor the CHP is entitled to reimbursement for the cost of investigating his claim. However, the Court of Appeal agreed with the trial court and in the published case of People v. Clapp concluded that as direct victims of defendant's fraud, both the CHP and the state fund are entitled to restitution for investigative costs incurred in the effort to justify discontinuance of payments and recoup money defendant fraudulently obtained. The court concluded that a victim's restitution right is to be broadly and liberally construed. The penal code requires victims to receive restitution for every determined economic loss incurred as a result of the criminal conduct. And the term economic loss is entitled to broad and expansive interpretation. The decision said it is consistent with the restitution statute's purpose to fully reimburse direct victims and deter future criminality. 34-year-old Perry Adam Lieber, a former firefighter and former Ironman triathlete who lives in Santa Barbara, was ordered to pay $198,000 in victim restitution and $30,000 in criminal fine. In March 2020, Lieber resigned from his position with the Ventura County Fire Department after working at the agency for more than three years. In December 2020, Lieber pled guilty to making 
false material statements to obtain disability benefits he was not entitled to during a workers' compensation claim while employed with the Ventura County Fire Department. Additionally, the court ruled that multiple financial accounts controlled by him that were previously frozen by the court are to be liquidated to satisfy the restitution order in full. Lieber will also serve 90 days in jail and complete 24 months of felony probation as a condition of his guilty plea. The County of Ventura and the Ventura County Fire Department sustained extensive losses as a result of workers' compensation fraud committed by Lieber. He is currently a health and fitness expert and entrepreneur in Santa Barbara County. He graduated from the University of California, where he earned a bachelor's degree in English and a minor in sports science and nutrition. He also participated in his first Ironman competition, an endurance multi-sport event that involves swimming, cycling, and running over various distances. Lieber opened his very own elite training facility called The Workplace, where he provides one-on-one training to a range of clients, which he claims are celebrities, professional athletes, and top executives. His website, perrylieber.com, provides substantial information about his current level of fitness. It seems to be far too easy for fraudsters to steal money from the California EDD, even criminals as far away as Rhode Island. Fifteen defendants were charged in a U.S. District Court for wire fraud and money laundering. These defendants were all Rhode Islanders, and they are accused of fraudulently filing claims through unemployment insurance programs across 11 states, including California. The defendants filed unemployment claims for an estimated $579,000. According to the investigators, at least one defendant was able to line his pockets with almost $90,000. Multiple suspects were discovered in part because they took out large sums of money at Twin River Casino. Last August, investigators were notified about several suspicious high-dollar cash advances made at the casino. Police discovered that Tyrone Hazard of Central Falls had made a $9,000 cash advance using a California Employment Department Visa debit card, which was issued through the state of California to provide unemployment insurance. After getting the cash, Hazard left the casino without playing any games. Investigators later discovered Hazard had previously made two different unemployment insurance claims in California and Massachusetts. Similarly, defendant Rashad Smith Muskelly of Lincoln is accused of taking out two cash advances at Twin River Casino. Muskelly is accused of filing for unemployment insurance in eight states, including California. 51-year-old Jose Velasquez, who lives in Ojai, California, pled guilty to two counts of felony insurance fraud. At the time of his pleas, Velasquez paid full victim restitution, more than $30,000 to Wesco Insurance Company and Amtrust Company. Velasquez owned and operated Velasquez Gardening, located on 82 Crown Street in Ojai. 
During that time, Velasquez systematically misrepresented the number of his employees and the total amount of his payroll to his workers' compensation insurance company. Prosecutors say that Velasquez's fraudulent actions resulted in inflated costs to his workers' compensation insurance company, which are ultimately passed on to local consumers. The case was investigated by the Ventura County District Attorney's Office Workers' Compensation Fraud Unit. Velasquez faces a maximum sentence of six years in felony jail. And in regulatory news, a once-a-decade war over changes to the California workers' comp system seems to be brewing up once again. And some say that workers' compensation is so immense that it supports a permanent cadre of interest groups and their lobbyists who joust constantly over operational rules. Over the last half-century, a predictable cycle has emerged once a decade, or once a governorship. The five contending factions go to war. Three of the five cut a deal to grab bigger slices of the financial pie and push it through the legislature. It takes a few years for the changes to impact the system and a few more for a new tripartite alliance to form for another battle. It last happened a decade ago when Jerry Brown resumed the governorship 28 years after his first stint expired. Employers and labor unions struck a deal with the implicit blessing of work comp insurers to curtail medical costs and use the savings to increase cash benefits for disabled workers and decrease employers' insurance premiums. The two factions left out of the deal were lawyers who specialized in work comp cases, and providers of medical care, therapy, and rehabilitation. Both of them howled. But with Brown's blessing and the union's political clout, it was enacted. It worked as planned, in fact too well in the eyes of the two left-out factions and labor unions, which complained that employers benefited more than their injured employees. Insurance costs as a percentage of payroll have dropped by more than two-thirds from their peak in 2003, thanks to both the changes signed by Governor Brown and those muscled through the legislature a decade earlier by his predecessor, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That said, according to Oregon's annual state-by-state compilation, California employers are still paying the nation's fourth-highest work comp costs. So what now? Last year, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, the legislature and Governor Gavin Newsom decreed that some medical workers would have a presumption that certain illnesses would qualify them for workers' comp benefits without having to prove connections to their jobs. This year, several bills would expand presumptions to other workers and other maladies. One, for example, would expand the presumption that San Diego's lifeguards now have for skin cancer to include nine other illnesses. Another would expand the lifeguard's skin cancer presumption to include game wardens and state park rangers. Still another would create an extensive slate of presumptions for nurses. Medical providers who were on the short end of the stick last the work comp deal want legislation to provide automatic inflation increases in their fees.
Another bill would create a state-operated network of medical care providers for workers' comp treatment that would bypass employers' provider networks. These and other measures would directly or indirectly increase costs or re-slice the pie. The most important of the five factions is labor, and if it forges an alliance with the medical and legal groups, chances of a major work comp overhaul are strong, right on the decennial schedule. The Division of Workers' Compensation has issued a notice of conference call public hearing for a proposed evidence-based update to the medical treatment utilization schedule. The conference call public hearing is set for Friday, May 14, at 10 o'clock a.m., and members of the public may attend by calling 866-390-1828 and using access code 549-7535-POUND. Members of the public may review and comment on the proposed updates no later than May 14. The proposed update incorporates the latest published guideline from the American College of Occupational and Environmental Medicine for the coronavirus. The March 29, 2021 update includes major changes. A new California Workers' Compensation Institute study on the independent medical review process shows that after climbing to a record high in 2018, the number of IMR decision letters declined in both 2019 and 2020, falling to an all-time low last year. The study notes that the number of IMR determination letters increased from 144,000 in 2014 to a record 185,000 in 2018, but then declined by 26% over the next two years, falling to 164,000 letters in 2019 and now 137,000 letters in 2020. That decline coincided with the implementation of the prescription drug formulary, which established categories of drugs that were exempt in some manner from utilization review. At that point, prescription drug disputes accounted for 46.4% of all IMRs. But within a year, that percentage was down to 41.4%, and 2020 it fell to 39.1%. Since 2018, opioids share of the pharmaceutical IMRs have declined from 32 to 28.3%. While over the same two years span, the biggest increase has been in dermatologicals, which have jumped from 10.9 to 14.8 of the pharmaceutical IMRs. With prescription drugs accounting for a declining share of the IMR dispute since 2018, the study noted a shift in the mix of services submitted for IMR, with physical therapy, injections, and durable medical equipment, prosthetics, orthotics, and supplies all seeing their share of the IMR's increase. The study notes that last year's decline in IMR volume was also spurred on by the pandemic, as the number of job injury claims declined as California's unemployment rate spiked and millions of Californians began to work from home. The impact on IMR volume was immediate. 
IMR volume was down across all regions of the state last year, the biggest decline occurring in Los Angeles County, which had about 9,400 fewer IMR determination letters in 2020 than in 2019. As in prior studies, the latest results show that a small number of physicians continue to drive much of the IMR activity, with the top 1% of requesting physicians, that's 89 doctors, accounting for 39.8% of disputed service requests. IMR outcomes were fairly stable as IMR physicians upheld the UR doctor's modification or denial of services 89.4% of the time last year. And in other news, applied underwriters will be featured in episodes of an upcoming TV series called Back from the Brink. The series, set for the fourth quarter of 2021 and the first quarter of 2022 on the Discovery Life channel, will be presented weekday evenings in prime time nationally. Each episode will feature the real-life stories of individuals who suffered and survived near-death accidents but whose sudden, dire circumstances required an enormous degree of care from a cross-section of individuals and professionals working with unusual devotion to bring these victims back to enjoy a good quality of life. Several of the episodes will be drawn from Applied Underwriters' files, notably the stirring saga of an electrical lines worker who was electrocuted, falling to his near death, only to be rescued and brought back to life with the use of his limbs and reconfigured face and neck through groundbreaking surgeries. A second compelling story is that of a severely injured lumberjack who fell 60 feet to the ground and was then crushed by the tree he was cutting, only to be brought back to vitality by an amazing concert of giving family, devoted clergy, and a talented, focused team of professionals. According to Steve Menzies, the company's chairman, the choice of applied underwriters' experiences and successes in treating patients all the way through the revitalization of their lives and capacities is a great source of pride for applied. So that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish our daily news, our podcast, and our other utilities on our free WorkCompApps.com smartphone app. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd Skirin, Minuki, and Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.